Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Friday. It's a good day to be alive and breathing. Praise the Lord. Pass the ammunition. Someone shout hallelujah. It is Friday. It's great. We've got an incredible weekend ahead for ourselves. Some incredible stuff happening today down in Fayetteville. I can't talk about it too much right now, but uh, God is moving and doing some incredible things. Also, this weekend, we're going to have some Wonderful moments with some friends of ours that line up the Gold Coast of Northwest Arkansas. I'm talking about the Gold Coast. You're going to hear a lot more about it in the days ahead, I'm pretty sure. And we've got a weekend planned out for some good services and gathering together on Saturday evening at 5.30, Sunday at 2 p.m. You could join us anytime on Facebook or YouTube and to uh, visit one of our services. We want to say to our friends in Southern California that have uh, recently been talking with us. God bless you. And I want to say thank you to all of our friends out there who support this radio ministry in the way that you do. And uh, thank you for those of you that truly are praying for the ministry and watching out for us. We're doing our best to watch for you. And today we're going to continue on in a conversation we began yesterday. And that conversation yesterday were the seven reasons why we should be concerned about a COVID-19 passport. And there's more information. Just It's coming out in gushers right now that we're going to be talking about. So I wanted to read in Amos chapter 6 just one verse, and then I want to go back to the Gospel of Luke where we started yesterday. 
And I I don't want to, you know, kind of disgruntle anybody, but the word of God does say this, and it has some meaning. In Amos chapter 6, verse 1, Woe to them that are, e- at, that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria. In other words, watch out because you're taking it easy because you're trusting your government. You're trusting governmental power, the mountain. The you know, mountains represent kingdoms, principalities, powers. And <clears throat> they were trusting in the governmental power of Samaria, a foreign power to a degree. And they were at ease in Zion because of it. They were not busy about their father's business. And so you and I, as men and women of faith, should never be content with resting on the laurels of a world power or a governmental power, especially one that defies the living God. And that kind of ties into where we're going to go in the Gospel of Luke. So if you have a moment, let's go to Luke 21.34. Luke 21.34. And then we're going to get back into the article and the seven reasons why we should be concerned about what is being forced upon the nations at a rapid uh, pace. And we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. So Luke 21:34 says, take heed to yourselves. And we touched on it yesterday, but I want to make sure we really get through this and then we'll move on. Take heed to yourselves. Now this is right on uh, the heels of what's coming upon the earth and how people should be preparing themselves. And the admonition to you and to me on this Friday morning is take heed. In other words, watch out for yourselves. And I'll just get you into the the, uh, prosecco is the Greek word. And that phrase there, take heed, prosecco, literally means to hold the mind towards or pay attention to. Pay attention, be cautious about. These are the Greek definitions. Okay, adhere, beware, have regard. And this, again, is the prosecco, the prosecco in the Greek. Take heed to who? Where should I hold my mind towards and pay attention to and be cautious about? Well, I want to do that in the, to myself. Take heed to yourselves. Pay attention to yourselves. Be cautious. Be watching within yourself. Be careful. This is the message of Jesus Christ. It's not a man's message. It's God's message to you and to me. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time, lest at any time, if we're not cautious, if we're not paying attention, if we're not holding our mind towards particular things that God wants us to be aware of, at any time, lest at any time, your hearts, and I'll just, you know, just kind of throw it, Lest at any time, the Greek there is the me pote, me pote, and it means um, not ever or if peradventure, and I like that, or happily. Um, so at some point, lest at any time, peradventure, your hearts be overcharged. Now, the word heart there is the cardia. It's where we get our English word cardiac or cardia, right? The cardia. And what that simply means in the definition, the cardia literally talks about the heart or the thoughts or feelings 
Um, and it talks about the middle part. And someone once said it was the seat of our emotions, the seat of our emotions, the heart. Again, the feelings, the thoughts. And so what is the caution? What should we be watching? Uh, we should be taking heed to, <clears throat> lest at any time our hearts, our thoughts, our emotions, the seat of our emotions, the middle part of us, be overcharged, overcharged. And that is what we said yesterday, the baruno, the baruno, or that means to be weighed down, uh, talks about to be burdened, and it goes into a little bit deeper of a de definition, to be heavy, okay, uh, weighty. So don't let your hearts, your thoughts, your minds, your feelings be weighed down, okay? Don't let that happen. How would that happen? With, don't let it be weighed down with surfeiting. And surfeiting is that really hard to pronounce word, the krahi pale, the krahi pale, which means to have a seizure, like a headache as a seizure of pain from drunkenness. To debauch is the actual definition. Debauch, by analogy, a glut. So don't let your thoughts, don't let your emotions, don't let your heart be weighed down, burdened because of drunkenness, debauchery, um, a seizure of pain. Now, why would that happen? It, because it kind of gives the same word here, surfeiting and drunkenness. And the word drunkenness is the methe, methe, and it means intoxication, intoxication, to be an intoxicant. So don't allow your heart to be burdened, weighed down, basically taken off guard through the intoxicant of maybe the social media, uh, the world, ideas, whatever it is, the drunkenness, and, okay, the cares of this life. And the word cares there is the merimna, the merimna, and it means literally the idea of distraction, and it comes from the word anxiety. Okay, so in these days that Jesus was talking about, we know them as the last days. He's preparing disciples throughout the ages of the church age. You and I have come to the end of the end of the ages, and the same message applies don't be distracted. Don't become intoxicated with the world's narrative or the world's wine, okay? Uh, it's talking about becoming anxious, letting anxiety burden you. Let anxiety make your heart heavy. And, you know, there's a lot of anxiety in the world today because men's hearts failing them for fear of what they see coming upon the earth. So the idea from the great physician, his prescription to you and I in the last days is don't allow, make sure you take heed to yourselves, you watch, you be cautious, lest at any time, peradventure, our hearts, our thoughts, our emotions be overcharged, weighed down or burdened by the sting of concern, if you will, drunkenness, not paying attention, being distracted, being intoxicated, and the cares of this life, the things that makes us anxious, the anxiety of this life, 
and so that day come upon you unawares. Now, the word unawares is the ahif medios, and that word means to be unexpected, sudden, unforeseen. That should not happen to you and I. The day that Jesus is talking about, the times that Jesus is talking about, should not take us unexpectedly. It should not take us in an unforeseen moment. But he's warning us that if we become distracted with the things of the world, it will take us in a time we don't expect it. But if we're watching, if we're being cautious, if we're paying attention, okay, then we won't be taken off guard. And yet there's a prophetic word that just we talked about last week where many are going to be caught off guard because they have different intoxicating ideas. You know, they're intoxicated with the idea they're not going to be here when trouble comes because of the pre-trib rapture. That's an intoxicating doctrine. Um, And so they're not paying attention. They're not watching. They're not waiting. They're not expecting. And so these unforeseen events to them will take them. That's not for you and I. We should be very watchful. So then he goes on to say, that you uh, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting drunkenness, cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare, Luke twenty one thirty five, as a snare. The word snare is the pagis, and the word pagis literally talks about a trap. As a trap a trick, or a stratagem, a temptation. So we're talking about the tricks, the strategies. Uh, in Ephesians, we are, not, uh, what, we are not unaware of the strategies of the devil. Um, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So these are the tricks. These are the schemes. These are the stratagems, the temptations, Uh, And what they are is a trap. And what you need to know as a Christian is that the fowlers of the earth, the, uh, the demonic hunters and the fishers, are not out for your benefit. They're laying snares and traps everywhere through tricks and schemes, through deception, through allurement into temptation to partake of the things maybe of the world, to be concerned about the things of the world. Uh, to be so involved in earthly things that you're not paying attention to spiritual things, getting caught off guard, unexpected. So really, it's talking about um, a snare in which birds are entangled and caught, okay? It implies unexpectedly, suddenly, because birds and beasts are caught unawares. They're least expecting it. There's The trap comes. And this is what Jesus was actually saying about this time. And it talks about the allurement and seductions of sin. So the warning from Jesus in these last days is there's a lot of trickery going on, a lot of strategy purposely designed to snare the whole world. Now, Jesus said that's how it's going to come. But really, it's designed to snare you and I as Christian men and women. So. He goes on to say in Luke 21:35, for as a snare shall it come, as a trap shall it 
come. And that word there, to supervene, to arrive, uh, it's going to come in or come upon. And what do you see happening in the world today with all the different topics that we're discussing is it, it becomes pretty clear that, wow, this snare, this trap is, is coming. It shall come. The snare shall it come. It's coming on all them that dwell on the earth. Are you dwelling on the earth today? You are. Am I dwelling on the earth today? I am. <clears throat> so what does that mean? There's a trap coming. So God says to you and I, be aware, <clears throat> pay attention, don't become distracted to the point you're not discerning and watching and understanding because a snare is going to come and people are going to get caught in it. What is that snare? What is the snare? What is this trap? On, the, on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. So it's a global trap. It is a global snare. And if we're not paying attention, we're going to get caught in it. Could the COVID passport, could the vaccination be a part of this, if not the very snare itself, because we're not paying attention, because we're not aware? That's what we're going to talk about today. So what I'd like to do, watch ye verse 36. Let's go ahead and finish what we should be doing. Watch, therefore. And that word watch is the agrupneo, and it means to be sleepless, to keep awake. It means to be attentive. It means to be ready. Ultimately, to be sleepless. Don't go to sleep now concerning the things of God. All right, so be watching. And these, again, the words of Jesus. Watch, therefore, and pray, okay? And we all know what praying is to a degree, but this word here is the deomie, and that word literally means to want, to desire, to long for. It literally talks about begging, begging, interceding, as uh, binding oneself with a petition, with a petition, beseeching, making request. Don't be silent. Talk to God. Be watching. Be sleepless. Be praying because we're entering into a season. The whole earth, the global reality, and that's why we're going to be studying the book of Revelation more and more because the whole world is being set up for the snare to come. You and I do not want to be caught in that snare, in that trip, that trick that trap, okay? And so we do this by staying awake, interceding, making requests, begging, binding ourselves in intercession to the Lord. And again, watch therefore and pray always. In other words, ceaseless prayer in the mind, in the spirit. And this is why one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I believe, are so valuable to you and I, because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, when we pray in tongues, 
It is a language that no man on earth understands. So it is not me as an American speaking Chinese with an interpreter. No, no man on earth knows these tongues. But what they are when we're praying in the spirit is a direct communication with Father God. And that's what 1 Corinthians 14, no man knows the language but God. And then when we're praying in the spirit, we're praying mysteries. And the mysteries are being prayed so that there's a revelation in our heart and mind as to what we should be watching, what we should be aware of, what direction should we go in. When you pray in tongues, when you allow your spirit to pray, and you've gotten beyond the embarrassment, and is this for the church today, and when you've looked at the Word of God and realized this is a gift of the Holy Spirit, and you begin to operate in praying in the Spirit, you are edifying yourself, number one. You are building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. But now you're recognizing that as you're building yourself up and praying in the Spirit, you're also speaking mysteries in a direct communion with, the, with God, our Father, and revelations coming, insight, wisdom, discernment, direction, intuitiveness. All of those qualities begin to manifest, and you're being led supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. And so there is a way to watch, therefore, and pray always. You could pray quietly. When people are talking with you, when you're in a situation, you could be praying in your spirit all the time in tongues. Because sometimes the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, we don't know what to pray. So the spirit helps us by making intercession. How? In our spirit. The Holy Spirit and our spirit infused as one. There's intercession. We begin to pray again for things we're not even aware of, quite frankly. So watch ye therefore pray always that... Here's what we should be praying, and here's how we, in our prayers, this should create this environment that you may be accounted worthy. Now, that phrase there, you may be accounted worthy, is the catexio, and that word means to be judged worthy, accounted worthy, to deem entirely deserving. Wow. I, you know, we don't deserve anything, we thought, right? But as Christians, we should be employed in the business of prayer. We should be praying always. We should be understanding the signs of the times. We should be cautious. We should be on guard. We should be watchful, okay? And we're praying that we would be accounted worthy, fully deserving to escape. Now, if we're not watching... If we're not praying, if we're not, you know, monitoring ourselves and being perceptive, we're not really worthy to escape. That's a fact. But if we're living in such a manner that we're not falling into the tricks, the traps, the schemes, the temptations, the allurements, the seductions that are all around us, if we're avoiding those because we're keeping our eyes on Jesus, we're praying, we're doing what is right, now we're going to be praying that we're accounted worthy to escape. All these things that shall come to pass. So the whole idea is the escape, which is the ekfugo, ekfugo in the Greek. And that word means to flee out or escape like they did when they were in Egypt. Okay, they escaped 
They were able to flee away. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to come to pass, flee to the mountains. Now, let's go back and talk about that for just a moment. In Matthew 24, Jesus made it very clear. When you see these things begin to come to pass, flee to the mountains. You who are on the housetop, don't go down to get your stuff. You're in the field, don't go back. Flee to the mountains. Escape to the mountains. So, in that generation, in 70 AD, before Titus and the Roman armies came into Jerusalem, the people heard the message of Yeshua. They were watching. They were paying attention to the signs of the times in their day, just like you and I should be paying attention to the signs of time in our day, globally, saints of God all over the world. And there are certain key factors that you should be paying attention to that when you see them begin to come to pass, you're supposed to get out. And there are certain things that are coming to pass in our generation that would absolutely scream at us, get out. But there's a lingering, like Lot, in many communities and many hearts of God's children, there's a lingering Lot mentality. We're having a very difficult time pulling out. We're wondering, well, we could wait just a little bit longer. Well, just a little bit longer. Well, we still need to use this stuff. We still need this system. We still need to use the world. We still need the banking system. We still need their entertainment. We still need their social media. We still need, you know, their insurance companies. We still need everything the world is. But when God calls his people out, you'll notice every single time, it's not going out but still using the world. It is a calling out Altogether, if you're in Egypt and you're Israel, you're leaving the Egyptian empire. Everything you've ever known is no longer useful or available to you. You're going into the wilderness where God is going to be your resource. If you're fleeing into the mountains, there's not, well, the Jerusalem Mountain Center that's connected, and you can still use Jerusalem's finest materials and tools while you're in the mountains. No. If you're Noah in an ark, you get into the ark, you're not bringing the world system in. God didn't tell him to bring the world system. He saw it brought the animals, male and female, bring some food, water, get your stuff ready to go. You're not taking anything out of this world when you go in the wilderness. You're going into the wilderness like Lot. And they fled with nothing because of their lingering. They didn't really get some necessary. They just had to leave and they had to depend on God. And when we get into Revelation chapter 12 in the last days, when it's time to go into the wilderness, it's time to go out. It's time to go out with nothing of this world that represent the snares, the traps, the delays, and all of that. And that seems, you know, incredulous to people living in America in the year 2021 or in other parts of the world. I mean, it's a lingering right now because all this technology is so useful to us and we may get involved and take the vaccination, God forbid, and, and, and become even more comfortable or at ease in Zion, trusting the government or trusting the social media, trusting the seductive narrative of the world in which we live. This could be devastating because what it would mean is we would get caught in the trap, which means we would be afflicted during the Great Tribulation. And unfortunately, the majority of believers are going into the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth because they did not pay attention. They did not come out. They lingered. And so it's going to be very difficult. So, I mean, the Bible is very clear in Revelation chapter 7 that the untold multitude that no man could number... They came out of great tribulation, having washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. That means if they came out of it, they were in it. 
And there, that's the multitude. The 144,000 were sealed with a seal. They did not go into the great tribulation. They were spared. They were protected. Okay, so this is a biblical reality. God will preserve the remnant of overcomers, the few. But the majority are going in, and I believe today the reason why the majority are going in is because they are already getting ensnared, and it may be us. We have to examine ourselves. We may be vulnerable right now to being caught in the trap if we're not paying attention. But again, even though it's so in-your-face, obvious, real, we have a tendency to deny things. We have a tendency to say, well, man, I can't leave the world now. I mean, I still got my job, and I get my check, and that's how I pay my bills, and I have my insurance, and I have my bank down the street, and it's where I go shopping. And how am I going to do any of that if I come out of the world? Well, the question is, to you and I, each one of us have to make our own choices. What do we see all around us? Are the signs of the times all around us? Jesus is just warning us in his most beautiful way. If you want to be found worthy to flee out or escape, the only way you can is to be praying without ceasing, interceding, begging, making requests, being aware, paying attention, being attentive, being cautious, watchful, and recognizing. And if we're not willing to recognize or perceive, well, that we could get ourselves in trouble, which would be what? Like a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the earth. So what? Watch, therefore, pray, always be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. And to stand before the Son of Man. We need to be counted worthy. Jesus said, when I come to the earth, will I find faith? Will I find faith? Now, you may say, well, my faith keeps me lingering in the world. Someone else may say, my faith called me out of the world. Because my faith in what God said, I saw the signs, I split. The Lord's going to have to take care of me wherever I am because I'm honoring him. And if I go out and all of a sudden, you know, people are saying, how foolish was that to go out? I mean, where'd they go? I don't think there's any embarrassment of honoring God. We should be watching right now like never before, watching like never before. So what are we looking at today? With that being said, let's go back to the article I started yesterday. And this are the seven reasons why. We should be concerned <clears throat> with the COVID-19 passports, okay? So number three, I started it yesterday. I'll pick it up again, though. The potential for mission creep. What does mission creep mean? Well, to begin with, smart health cards are likely to include a person's complete name, gender, birth date, mobile phone number, and email address in addition to vaccination information. But although advertised as digital vaccination records, they are clearly intended to be used for much more. Public information on the protocol notes that smart health cards are building blocks that can be used across healthcare, including managing a complete immunization record 
that goes far beyond COVID-19 vaccines, sharing data with public health agencies and communication with health care providers. Okay, so the framework is unlikely to be limited to healthcare information. The use of the term digital wallet, both by the Vaccine Collective Initiative and IBM, to refer to their different digital health passes suggests that economic activity could become an integral part of the framework's functions, how we buy or sell. Sound familiar? The developer of the Vaccine Collective Initiative's Smart Health Cards framework at Microsoft Health, Josh C. Mandel, hinted in a recent YouTube presentation that smart health cards could soon be used as IDs for commercial activity such as renting a car. Cannot buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Remember that. That this is all happening as central banks around the world are busily laying the foundations for central bank digital currencies or CBDCs, as they've come to be known, raises the specter of digital vaccine passports being used as a vehicle for the creation of a purely digital currency system to replace physical coins and notes. Now, you know, that's really important. That's not to say this will happen, but it is a possibility. If the vaccine passport does not or does become, if the vaccine passport does become a digital currency, wallet and cash is eliminated, opting out will be much harder. And opting in will leave us subject to levels of surveillance and control that were heretofore unthinkable. No coins, no cash. No gold, no silver, no money, no transactions being unmonitored. Do you see where it's going, why it should be a concern? The world around us is rushing towards a digital currency. That's how we know you won't be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. So there has to be a controlling factor. Right now, you could go down anywhere and you could transact and buy something. But have you noticed that even when you use your cash to buy a piece of clothing article, can you give us your phone number? Can you give us your name? Can you give us your email address? Why do they want to know your phone number, your email address, and your name when you're going to take a $20 bill, you're going to buy a package of socks, and they want to know that transaction? So the monitoring system is already in place for the world to monitor. Now, when they do away with cash and coins and it's all digital and it's connected to maybe this vaccine passport, well, it becomes a very deep personal property violation. Your personal information is violated because it's all coming out in the open. Now, much of it already is on the Internet internet banking, the Apple ID, Apple wallet pay. People are paying with their phones. They have face recognition, all of these different things. And we're just going headlong into it. We're just going headlong into it. And that's a reality. We need to be careful of where it's leading us. Reason number four for being concerned about a COVID passport 
is creating a two-tier society or world. Since its very inception, COVID-19 has been a pandemic of inequality. Vaccine passports could end up exacerbating social divisions wherever they are used. Those who have access to vaccines can return to some semblance of normal life, while those who don't find themselves left even further out in the cold. Over time, as life gets more difficult for these people, the pressure to get the jab will grow. In other words, the shot. At least that's what vaccine passport proponents like Joan Costa Font of the London School of Economics are hoping. This is what they said. And I quote, vaccine passports can be used as an incentive to change behavior. They not only provide some direct benefits, but they signal what society expects from individuals. They exemplify a social norm that individuals are expected to comply with, end of quote. But coercing people to take the vaccine could have the opposite effect, warns an opinion piece in the BMJ. All in all, there are reasons to conclude that vaccine passports for basic activities may actually undermine vaccine rollout by decentivizing the very populations who most need incentivizing. Closer inspection of the Israeli Green Pass scheme serves to reinforce this message. So in other words, society has to become like Big Brother 1984, where there's a social norm. This is what is expected. In China, it's already working. You have to go along with the status quo. And if you get out of line, you're a troublemaker. It works against your credit score. You cannot have the benefits that the rest of society has. So with all the passing time, the, those that have the vaccination versus those who have not the vaccination, it's going to get more difficult for the have-nots if they're not prepared. So the pressure is going to be stronger on them to cooperate with the norm of society. However, this could backfire, is what it's saying, where people that should be incentivized are going to become disincentivized because this clash of societal pressure. Now, the evidence for passes increasing vaccination uptake is weak. While suspicions of compulsion and reports of people barred from workplaces for not being vaccinated have resulted in antagonism and increased distrust among the individuals who were already concerned about infringement on citizens' rights. All right, so number five, things are going to get tough. What does uh, pressure means? Philipsis pressed in, the pressure to take the shot, pressure to conform, pressure. And that's what the tribulation period's all about, is to pressure the world into serving the purposes of the Antichrist. The ultimate pressure is coming upon the people of God to press them into conformity. And that's where you and I are going to have to be very intelligent and led by the Holy Spirit. Number five concern, loss of bodily autonomy and integrity. Watch this. Forcing an experimental vaccine 
upon someone who doesn't want it clearly contravenes their right to bodily autonomy and integrity. According to the EU Charter of Fundamental Rights, everyone has the right to respect for his or her physical and mental integrity. In the fields of medicine and biology, the following must be respected in particular, the free and informed consent of the person concerned according to the procedures laid down by law. If bodily autonomy and integrity are indeed fundamental human rights, then the issuance of COVID vaccine passports should hinge on the informed consent of the individual and not mandatory adoption, as has been proposed in France, or coercion, and yes, denying people access to basic services is a form of coercion. This is particularly true in the case of vaccines that are approved merely on an emergency use basis. So that concern is that if it's forced, if it's mandated, or you forced in the sense of you can't buy or sell without it, well, this is a violation of your fundamental rights. Well, I don't want the vaccine, but I still want to buy and sell. But this is coercion. If I don't, and so I'm losing my bodily autonomy and integrity of my individual rights. <clears throat> Number six. Number six concern is most governments and tech giants have already shown they cannot be trusted with our most valuable data. Vaccine passports raise huge privacy concerns. Data-hungry companies like Microsoft, a member of the Vaccine Credential Initiative, will be given new opportunities to track our daily movements and activities and share that data with third parties. Now, that's already happening. As I told you yesterday, I was on the Internet looking at something, and I got a phone call from a company that was on the Internet. I never gave my number. I never even clicked on it to find out. I was just in that search bar looking for something, and they called me. There was a connection between my Internet and my phone, my data, they know what I'm looking for. They know where I'm going on my phone. You're seven minutes away from the, from the grocery store that you're going to. So they know, okay? There are also major concerns about data security. If recent history has taught us anything, it is that no data, no matter how private or precious, is completely secure. They're watching us. They're taking all the information a vaccine certificate is likely to include our most precious data of all, our biometric data, and it is unlikely to be safe. As Peter Yap, ex-deputy director of UK, the GCHQ's National Cybersecurity Center, recently warned, building yet another centralized database to store even more of our personal data would create even more opportunity for hackers and cyber criminal organizations to plunder our data. Here's what he said. Centralized databases means you're putting a lot of data in one place, so it becomes an attractive target for hackers and the like, so it's like a honeypot. It attracts people in, and they're going to have a go because there is so much data. As a software engineer, he said, I know all software has bugs. Bugs create security vulnerabilities. 
That's why it is a terrible idea to gather together so much data of such importance in one place. This is one more nail in the coffin in the idea of COVID certification. And then finally, number seven. So they want a central storage place of all the information of the people on the planet. In order to make that easier, they need to reduce the population. They need to cut it. And according to Revelation, they will absolutely cut the population between now and the Great Tribulation in half. So if there are 8 billion people on this planet, by the time we get to the Great Tribulation, and this system is in full effect, 4 billion people will have been lost, their lives taken off this earth, the population reduced. It'll happen through war, which is forming all around us right now. It will happen through famine. It will happen through pestilence, sickness, and disease. You and I are human beings And our faith is in Jesus Christ, and we should not be afraid. Remember, we should be elated about the times that we're in because it all means the Lord is coming. Whether we live or whether we die, we live to the Lord, we die to the Lord, we are faithful to the Lord. We need to understand what's coming down the pike. Men's hearts are going to fail them for fear of what they see coming. That's not going to happen to you and I. You and I are going to be watching, we're aware, we see it, we're going to do the best we can to be led by the Holy Spirit and to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. Number seven concern in this article, whatever the politicians might say, a vaccine certificate will be permanent. When the vaccine certificate debate reached fever pitch in the UK last week, The conservative party tried to assuage voter fears by insisting that the certificate would be temporary. And this is what they said. It will be time limited. And I think the duration of the scheme will be measured in months. One unnamed insider said the party will not wear any longer. Hmm. Well, this is from the same government that publicly insisted for months that it was not even considering vaccine certificates while in private, it was examining how they could be used. After going to all the trouble and expenditure to create a digital ID system whose applications and uses can be expanded at ease, there's no way in the world that the UK government is going to just hand it all back a few months later. As history has taught us time and again, Whenever governments reward themselves new temporary powers, they usually find it painfully hard to relinquish them. Such will no doubt be the case with the vaccine passport, pass, certificate, or whatever they want to call it. All right, so that is the article, and I wanted to go a little bit deeper into another thought here because, again, this information is coming out so fast right now. A 60 Minutes report, this is from 60 Minutes, okay, their headline, COVID detection microchips beneath the skin from science fiction to reality. Now, in this article, As the debate over vaccination passports continues to heat up, the Pentagon 
has just added a whole new level of concern over privacy and government control with revelations that it has created a microchip to be inserted under the skin, which can detect COVID-19 infections. The Pentagon has just created this. Retired Colonel Matt Hepburn revealed the device on 60 Minutes Sunday night. He said, you put it underneath your skin, and what that tells you is that there are chemical reactions going on inside the body. And that signal means you are going to have symptoms tomorrow, he explained. It's like a check engine light, said Hepburn. Sailors would get the signal, then self-administer a blood draw and test themselves on site. We could have the information in three to five minutes. As you truncate that time, as you diagnose and treat, what you do is you stop the infection in its tracks. He said they were inspired by the struggle to stem the virus spread on board the USS Theodore Roosevelt, where 1,271 crew members tested positive for the coronavirus. That was the, the reason for this new digital chip. If current vaccination rates in the military are any indication, however, many troops may not be too eager to jump on the microchip bandwagon. Research shows that so far a third of troops have refused to take the vaccine. Many indicated they were concerned over long-term health effects, but also, ironically, that it might contain a microchip device to monitor them or be used for some type of government control. Thank God for the third. This is not the first time researchers have come up with a method to help manage and detect COVID or show proof of vaccination. So I'm done with the article. I mean, it's a great article. I don't want to read it anymore. Um, There's another situation here that's crazy. It's the California Department of Gender Corrections Biological Men Flow into Women's Prisons. This is a mind blower. I know it's a shift from what we're talking about, but this article literally talks about just how dangerous is the effort to mainstream transgenderism, and they are mainstreaming it. Very. Liberal feminists are warning, liberal feminists are warning about the dangers of the spread of transgenderism. Six months into California's so-called Transgender Respect Agency and Dignity Act, the fallout has been specially severe in a place most people don't think about, women's prisons. One of the unfortunate consequences of Governor Gavin Newsom's new law is that men can claim to be women or non-binary and be transferred, no questions asked, to a female prison. So far, Brandon Showalter at the Christian Post warns 255 have. So these men that are transgender, protected by this law in California, can get out of men's prison and could go to women's facilities. In fact, he points out not a single gender-based housing transfer request has been denied, meaning that female prisoners and female correctional officers are living in a state of fear and frustration. Over at the extremely leftist Women's Liberation Front, WOLF, is that what that stands for, a group that normally wouldn't side with conservatives is appalled that the state isn't putting women's safety first. 
They said, quote, it's cruel and inhumane to try to solve this problem for only a small subset of at-risk men by deciding to have men's prisons and then mixed sex prisons. California's women's facilities are mainly low security, open plan dormitories, and they're overcrowded already, they said. So like most Californians who oppose the idea, they wish the state would create special units or wings for prisoners based on their identities. I'm going to stop reading that article, too, because it, too, is insane. The point of what we're talking about today is the absolute insanity of what's going on in the world in which we live. And from every direction, every direction, the signs of the times are here. And the question is, are we doing what Jesus warned us to do, exhorted us to do? Are we watching? Are we praying? Are we willing to allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our lives? Are we learning from the biblical text of historical data of times and seasons when God's people were told to go? Are we getting close to that moment? That's really the only question I have. And I'm not going to try to convince you about it. I mean, I will share with you, and I guess that's not an accurate statement. I guess I would try to convince, but more importantly, I want to get the revelation, the information to you so that you can make an informed decision. Um, I have to make an informed decision for myself and my family and our congregation. We are pastors, and we have a responsibility to guide and direct the flock and to feed the flock of God that's been entrusted to us. We're on radio, so we are, again, accountable for what we're saying to you. We don't fear monger. We've been trying to bring in the balance that we should be elated that these horrible times are here because it means right beyond it is the coming of the Lord and that we should be faithful unto death to the Lord. And regardless, whether we are persecuted or whether we are martyred or whether we are preserved, we have to have that elation that the Lord is coming and we have to go through these times that we're living in. My question is getting deeper and deeper in my heart. This is the question. And the question is, is it time to pull out? And if it is time to pull out, what does that mean? Now, asking the question online, remember, the world already knows that these far right-wing conservative Christians who believe in end-time Bible prophecy in the book of Revelation, these really crazy people that they're going to, you know, either disappear in a great pre-tribulational rapture or they're going into some wilderness or some mountains. They've read the Bible. The devil's read the Bible. So that it's not like you're giving away a secret. The question is, does God have a prepared place? The answer to that is yes, when you read Revelation 12. Have you been praying about where God wants you to be? Has he prescribed a destination for you? Or are you going to trust God that wherever you are, he's going to take care of you? Maybe so. The question, regardless is when do we start thinking seriously about come out of her, my people, lest you receive of her plagues, you get caught in the trap. When do we start preview? When do we start thinking, is it time? Since 
2001, coming up on 20 years ago, 20 years, there have been enough biblical signs all over the world for people that are awake, people that honored the Lord and were watching and praying, not allowing themselves to be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, people that have been watching. Have there been enough signs in our world globally at the same time to now begin to really ask this question? Is it time to come out? To disconnect? You remember the movie, The Matrix? What did they do? They took the young man, I forget his name now, Zoe Z, Lee, whatever, and Neo. They took Neo and they disconnected him towards the beginning of the movie. They took out the plugs. They pulled it out. They asked him, do you want to go? Do you want the blue pill, the red pill? You're going to know you could go stay in the delusion if you want to, but you could wake up over here. And if you wake up, then we have to disconnect you because you have been uh, electronically interconnected with the global system. And so we, in our present form, when, as we see, as we hear, as we look, as we watch, are we getting close to that? Now, there is, thank God, there are people and states within our nation and probably globally around the world that are resisting resisting the question is how long do you resist how will the satanic presence bring people beyond their ability to resist what is the uh how is the devil and the world government and all these individual corporations businesses people how are they going to labor to bring a resistance to the resistors how do they break the resistance? And we, if we're resisting now, and you and I are resisting by saying, I'm not wearing a mask, I'm not taking the vaccination shot, um, and that's it. That's, our, that's basically our peaceful protest, okay? How long are they going to allow our peaceful protest? Well, you saw how they will allow the violent protests of the left but when a truly peaceful protest that had some problems, breaking windows, going into the building, but nobody shot and killed anybody, nobody set fires, they just walked through the Capitol building, but they didn't destroy what for nine months they saw, right? So you saw how they came down on that resistance, that peaceful protest of the patriots, the conservatives, the right wing, whatever you want to call it. So tolerance for the left, intolerance for the right. It seems that the people that are more right-minded are the resistors. We're not wearing the mask. We're not going into the vaccines. I'm not saying all. But how long? And what will be the mechanism to put away the resistance of the resistors? Governors, states, legislatures, Arkansas, 
which we've talked about, we're so proud of. Our legislative branch of government, Jason Rappert, even Mr. Hutchinson, the governor, signing off on good bills. He, he was going to do something silly with the transgender, but the legislative branch overruled him, which was wonderful. I've met Governor Hutchinson. He's a very nice person, seemingly upfront, cared about Christians and Christianity. But other governors and other states resisting. So we're in the battle right now. The question is, can this battle be won? And this is a good question. Can this battle be won in light of Bible prophecy? Because in Bible prophecy, remember what happens during the Great Tribulation. The beast is given power over the saints for three and a half years. In other words, we're battling, we're fighting, but the Bible actually tells us in Revelation 13, let me read it to you in Revelation chapter 13, what will happen, and this is where the resistors will be uh, put away. It says in Revelation 13, verse 3, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. His deadly wound was healed, speaking of the beast, and all the world wondered after the beast. They worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. They worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue 42 months, 1260 days, three and a half years. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. All right. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb. So we're resisting, but the Bible says the time will come that there will be no resistance against the beast because the saints will be overcome, meaning they will not be able to resist. It does not mean that they have to go into the Great Tribulation doesn't mean they have to be rolled over by the beast. doesn't mean they all took the mark of the beast. It just says there's nothing left you can do. It has now come to the point. By that time, we get to this point in this prophecy of the Great Tribulation, you have to have come out. At this point, you have to have come out. You have to be in your secret place. You have to be where God wants you to be, in your ark, in your Goshen in your mountain. You have to be where God told you to be. All ready, all prepared to not be forced by pressure to capitulate to take the mark of the beast. Remember, anybody on this planet who receives the mark of the beast shall lose their soul throughout eternity. The smoke of their torment, what am I talking about? Let's be very clear about this. Revelation chapter 14 Verse 9, the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast 
and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same, whoever takes it, shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Obviously, what it appears to me, consider, why taking a mark, whatever it is, why is the punishment the wrath of God? It almost sounds like when you take that mark, it turns you into a beast yourself. It transforms you. Now, they say that some of these vaccinations have the ability to control your behavior and this type of thing. What if the mark of the beast has something biologically, intricately, that changes you into something that, I mean, I don't see God just being angry. Oh, you took the mark. You, you got a shot. I'm going to crush you with my wrath. I don't see that. It makes no sense. The only time someone would receive or have to drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, is that that mark has done something to make you something completely unredeemable before God. Make you unredeemable before God. There's nothing left. And and receiving that mark, we should have the knowledge. If we receive it, it's going to do something to us to create an environment that the indignation and the wrath of God will be poured out upon us. And he shall be tormented. Whoever takes this mark shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb for how long and the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever and they have no rest day nor night their souls are in torment who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Three and a half years, you're not going to be able to resist. You're not going to be able to fight, but you don't have to receive the mark. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So even though there be no resistance globally, because the whole world is going to worship the beast, whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yours is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're three and a half years on this earth. You cannot resist. There's no more a fight. There's no Fox News telling you how to resist, right? These are the days of patience. These are the days you have had to prepare for. Now, could some of God's people, many, be eliminated before we get to this moment through the population control mandate? Could the COVID vaccine just be a preview of the real mark that's coming, or is it the mark? Or can it be used to depopulate the earth, like we read yesterday from the ex-chief scientist from Pfizer who said this is a depopulation event that's going on? So by taking this vaccination, it could, within a year or two, wipe out a significant population. Or could the war with Russia, China, the United States, and Terrorism and all of those things take out billions of people as well. Because we know between now and the Great Tribulation, 4 billion people 
with a present global population of 8 billion, 4 billion will be gone. You could read it in Revelation chapter 6, Revelation chapter 9. You'll find it. It's there. 4 billion people off the planet if the population is 8 billion. So you and I may be gone through the mechanism of death. God forbid. We should be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people, waiting patiently, knowing with elation that the Lord is coming right beyond this. And we who endure to the end without taking the mark, without capitulating, and without dying, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the trumpet sound. Christ will come in the clouds. He'll blow the trumpet, the shout of the archangel. They'll go and release and gather the elect. The dead in Christ shall rise And we who are alive and remaining shall be caught up to meet the Lord, will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and we will have been. Hallelujah. But it's getting through it. If we die with the four billion, well, we'll be part of the resurrection if we remain faithful until our death. But if we're alive and remaining to the end, We're going to be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye. Brand new eternal bodies with Christ in heaven forever. And then returning with him after the wrath of God is poured out upon the nations of the earth to set up his millennial kingdom in glorified bodies that never get tired, never sick, never die. I'm all in. How about you? Oh, I know how bad it looks, and it is. I mean, men's hearts will fail them for fear of what they see. I know how horrible this seems. You could say, you know, through logic and reason, well, how in the heck could you be happy about what's coming? Because you know something. You know that being faithful to God and not getting caught in compromise or lukewarmness and keeping your fire and your passion And going for it because you love Jesus is going to have eternal rewards. But to give in, to capitulate, to compromise, to take that mark, you're dead. Once saved, always saved is not going to save you if you take the mark. We just read it. So what time is it? What time is it? That's the question today. What time is it? So what I'd like to do is just get into our telephone. If you're out there today and you would like to call into the broadcast, the number to call is 818-369-0326. Press 1 on your dial pad, and I'll bring you directly into the conversation. Also, on our chat room, I want to welcome everybody that's there. Good morning. God bless you. We'll get into some of your chats in just a little bit. I do have a call coming in already on Area code 916. Let's take that call. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning, Pastor Vincent. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am well. And uh, thank you for your broadcast this morning. Thank you. I have a comment to share with you regarding the ridiculousness that you uh, spoke about. Um, Oh, yeah, sure, the vaccine. Passport's only going to be temporary. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a, there is an historical precedent, and the comment that you made 
about government being very unwilling to release power once they've been granted power, that is a very astute comment, and there is historical precedence for that. And I'm talking about just before World War II, um, in 1937, Adolf Hitler was hell-bent on propagating his Nazi program throughout Europe. And what Hitler did was he wanted to put his Nazi politicians into places of power in France, in Italy, and in Great Britain, in the United Kingdom. Um, When he was attempting to do that, the governments of Italy and France together, and they decided to give Adolf Hitler some concessions in order to avoid military conflict. Hitler had said to them, if you don't give me what I want, I'm going to invade your countries. Those countries decided to avoid the conflict, and they gave Hitler permission to build military bases along their borders, to put some of his Nazi people in their government bodies. And he, they, made, um, they acquiesced, they capitulated, they gave Hitler land in their, in their countries, all for the sake of just preserving the peace, keeping the peace, not being embroiled in conflict. That was called appeasement. That was a government policy that was adopted by Britain, France, and Italy. It was officially called appeasement, giving a threatening power a little bit of what they're asking for so that that threatening power would not invade and start the process of destruction. Well, later on, as we know, Adolf Hitler wanted more. He wasn't happy with the little bit that he was given by appeasement, and so he, in fact, invaded. He invaded France. He invaded Great Britain. He attempted to invade Great Britain, and he invaded Poland, and he invaded Italy. Uh, No amount of appeasement stopped the start of the war. Winston Churchill in 1948, after all was said and done, after the war was over, Winston Churchill made the very astute comment, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So here we are in 2021. Those people who are pushing the idea of a vaccine passport who are making the claim, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. It's only going to be for a little while. Yeah, no. Okay. We know from history that that's not the way it shakes down. Once power is given to a government entity, then that power will never be relinquished. That's my story, sir, and I'm sticking to it. All right, Mark, thank you so much for sharing. That's an excellent point, and it does prove the point of what you're saying. Thank you for calling in. God bless you for confirming that word that we were talking about today. Have a super blessed day. Let's go to our next call, 479-321. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Hello, area code 479-321. You're on the air. Morning, Pastor. Good morning. I, could I read to you one Yeah, are you there? Yes, but if you could speak up just a little bit, I guess. I can I read little... you one paragraph I read in the news? 
Short paragraph. Sure. But you have to speak into the microphone a little louder, okay? Hello? Okay. Are you there? Turn, turn the TV off, please. Okay. The California Education Department is considering implementing implementing a statewide math framework that promotes the concept that working to figure out a correct answer in math is an example of racism and white supremacy invading the classroom. I'm not right. killed. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. It's crazy. It's crazy what's going on. And um, I think there's going to be a lot of tilt going on there. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. God bless you. All right, we're having a little bit difficult time hearing some of the callers. So if you do call in 818-369-0326, I'd have to disagree with uh, some of the comments being made that this topic is taking our minds off of Christ. I'm telling you what, if you're really understanding this conversation, it should be drawing you deeper into Christ, not further away from him. This conversation should be drawing people to Christ. And that's what I'm hoping it does. And if you're finding yourself drawing, being drawn away, well, then obviously you need to get yourself drawn too, and you've got to do whatever it takes to do that. So with that being said, let's listen to some of our comments here. And again, if you would like to call into the broadcast, 818-369-0326. I uh, just see a number of our friends out there. Kevin was saying good morning this morning. Good morning to you, Kevin. Uh, Keith is out there. Keith Carey, Good morning. Keith and Cindy Messman is there, our sister Cindy. God bless you. Chandra Rondell is with us today. I hope you're doing good, Chandra. I haven't heard from you or seen you in a couple of days. like to know what's going on. Patricia and I would like to meet with you, actually. Great time to say it. Hey, before I go any further, let me take this call. Patricia Joy, good morning. God bless you. Speak nice and loud if you can, please. I will do so. I, I want to just refer to the caller who said it's going, this information, which is vital, is going to take our eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ and, you know, the teachings thereof that are needed. Let's be reminded that Jesus taught us about the days of Noah and how the days of Noah would be duplicated in the days of the end times. And how he reminded us also of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and to be aware of these things because he saved Lot's life and his his part of his family. And he saved Noah and his family because he warned them of the times in which they were in. And he said it would be likened unto this day the day that he returns. It is not truly understood rightfully in the minds of some people as to God's desire to keep us in a place of safety, as the scripture you read earlier, that we should pray that we would be found worthy in that day. And he is describing the day. This is how we receive the knowledge of his heart and the understanding of what he wants for us in these evil times. And that's why he also tells us and clarifies that we should loose the world, come out of her, my people. These are warnings 
he gave, God gave himself in the New Testament. And they were for the latter days, which we are in. So I think we need to rethink some of our understanding these clarifications. Amen. Well said. Well, well said. Thank you, Patricia, for that comment. I think the majority of people probably agree that the prophets of God, the judges, the apostles, Jesus, they always talked about things that were coming upon their society to make them ready, not to turn them away from Yahweh or the Lord or God or our Father, but to draw them nearer and to give them to understand what they're about to go through. Now, if you are of a particular mindset, you know, you're taking the vaccination shot, you are pre-trib rapture basically in your heart, uh, you have a whimsical idea of what's going on in the world today, um, you're probably not going to see this as something very positive because we may be talking about leaving this world. And by the way, talking about leaving this world, Here's a, here's, a, here's a fact, and, and this is what I'm going to ask you to do with your friends, with your loved ones, and, you know, you make the decision. You can do what you want to do, but you need to let people know, okay? You need to let people know, if I don't see you again on this side of eternity, I love you. If I don't see you again. Sometimes we take for granted what's going on in our lives and in this world. There are people that have given a kiss and a hug to their spouse as they said goodbye and they were walking away. And they never saw them again. They died There are going to be people on this earth that are going to be leaving, whether through death or whether through obedience to the word of God to come out and separate yourself. And I'm going to ask you to keep this very real, raw and righteous. Keep this very real. We just don't know, right? when we won't see each other again. But I want to tell you, if we don't, it has been an amazing journey, and I love you. Would you be willing to tell your friends, your family, the people you worship with, the people you fellowship with, maybe the people that gave you the hardest time, maybe the thorn in your side, would you tell them, Just let them know, let them know that you genuinely love them. Tell them, if I don't ever see you again, I love you. Would you be willing to do that? You don't know when your last day upon this earth is going to be. I don't know. We have an idea. We would like to be here alive and remaining when the Lord returns, that we've prepared our ark, that we're going to ride out the storm in health and three and a half years of being taken care of by God. I like to believe that with all of my heart. That's our heartbeat. I I can't even conceive death. 
But regardless, I'm not going to turn away from believing that, but if that's the case, there's a lot of people I know that I won't see anymore, whether by death or going into the wilderness or whatever that means. And we need to let people know. We need to tell our sons, our daughters, our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, our friends, our family. We need to tell them, I love you. They need to know it, not in word only. They need to feel it out of your heart. It's been an amazing journey. And wherever things lead, wherever things go, please know that I love you. Maybe there's an enemy in your life. Maybe you view people on the left, the enemy. I know we all have a hard time with a lot of the negativity, but we've got to be able to say from our hearts in reality, I hate what you did. I hate what you do. But boy, do I love you. And that's why I'm telling you about Jesus. That's why I'm telling you about God's love for you. Because God loves you. God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. The message is true. And while I hate what you do and I hate what you stand for, because I'm told to hate it, and I hate it like God hates it, I love you. And if you would turn away from those despicable lifestyles and turn to the Lord and receive the grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ, man, we could spend eternity together. I would love nothing more than for you to get saved the way that I was saved. I would love nothing more for you in your debauchery and sin and confusion to turn to God and find truth and begin to turn to that truth and let it do a transformation in your life. I would love nothing more. I don't care how much you hated me, how much you disliked me, how much you have persecuted. If you would turn to Jesus and receive his mercy, it would be the thrill of my heart. I wish you not eternal damnation. I wish you not eternal death. I wish you Jesus Christ. I wish you salvation. I pray for you. Yes, I'm balanced. Don't get me wrong. I'm not mishy We are called to hate what we ourselves were once a part of. So this isn't coming from self-righteous hypocrisy, holier than thou. We hate the things that we once did, but it's done. We are washed. We are cleansed. We are sanctified and justified. Our names are written in heaven. We've been born again. The penalty for our sin has been paid in full. I'm not carrying generational bloodline iniquity another second in my life. It's been paid for in full. And if there's a demonic presence that wants to visit what grandpa did, you can't visit it upon me. It's been paid in full. You're going to have to go deal with that somewhere else. In my own sins, in my own iniquities, paid in full. I've long ago repented 
and confessed. You need to tell somebody today, if I don't see you ever again on this side of eternity, I love you and I want to see you in eternity on the other side. It's not going to get easier on this earth, dear saints of God. It is not going to get any easier. It is going to become increasingly more difficult to live on planet Earth without coming under the control and power, evil, that is being released. Why is it happening? Because it's the end of the end of the end of time. Man's time on planet Earth. Rule and reign is coming to an end. The powers of darkness will have their last hurrah. But then the end shall come. And God will take over this planet. And I want to be with him when he does. You want to be with him when he does. We want people to be with him when he does. We have to go through some stuff. It's not going to disappear with the next administration. There is no turning back. Get ready and may God immerse our heart with a baptism of divine agape, unconditional love for God and neighbor. I cannot stress, I cannot speak in other terms. I don't really know what else to say. We have spent much time seeking to convince by the word of God and to bring forth information, revelation to the lives of those that have tuned in. How much more is there to say? Probably a lot. But when do we pull out? When is it time to leave? It's been an amazing journey to the adversaries of God. Repent. You're fighting the wrong adversary. Your eternal soul. I heard a story yesterday, and I'll never tell you who the story was from, but let me tell you a quick little story before leaving here today. I heard the story of a woman, fully grown woman today, grown up children, going on in her life with the Lord. I heard this story about this woman when she was 16 years old. She got pregnant when she was 16. In her pregnancy, her parents, mother and father, forced an abortion on her. They took her to a man, even this is in a time when it was illegal to have an abortion. They took her to a guy that was going to give the abortion. The parents had her forcibly strapped down with restraints on feet and hands. 
The parents stood by while the woman had a forced abortion. She said it was like being forcibly, violently raped. But here was the murder of a baby in her womb. Because of that experience, her life went into all kinds of different directions. And I asked her, did your mother and father ever since that time ask you for forgiveness? And her answer shocked me. And if I talk about abortion today, they get violently angry. Again, I'll never share with you who that is, but I have a sense that there are stories like these all over the world. Stories of people who have been brutally abused and because of that brutal abuse have gone into drug addiction, alcohol addiction, sexual addiction, perversion. Go tell a Jewish person that went through Hitler's Nazi Germany, God loves you. Because they can't understand how a God of love would let that happen. That the Jewish people were taken to concentration camps, starved to death, used as experimentation by these psychological madmen, and then tell them Jesus loves you. You see, that doesn't make sense to them because they haven't come to the reality that it wasn't God, it wasn't Jesus that did that to you. It wasn't God that had this young woman at 16 being tied down, having a forcible abortion put upon her. And so when these abandonment issues come, fathers leave the home, rape takes place, incest, horrible things as young people psychologically impacting us. We want to hide from it. We don't know what to do with it. We bury it. We go into rebellion. We want to hide. So we get involved in things, right? It's all over the world. People have been brutally abused. But many, like this woman, who through years of abuse and and, and addiction, come to a place of finding Jesus and understanding he really does love me, that God really does love me, that it wasn't God. Well, if God has all power, why didn't he stop it? Because you have to understand how it works and what happened and why the devil and why humanity is so sick and broken and twisted. Why evil, bad things happen. You have to understand that this is the sin of Adam. You have to understand, we opened a door and turned over the power to a force so evil that has no care for any human being upon this earth. You think Satan cares about people trapped in sexual addiction? Think he cares about them? Oh, they're trapped in, in drug addiction, alcohol addiction, perversion, wickedness. Oh, I'm so concerned for my children, says the devil. No. He doesn't, he, he uses everybody to destroy because that's what kind of a force he is. But when we come to Jesus and we acknowledge, now we get onto this plane of forgiveness. The very first thing we find out when we come to Jesus is that our sins are forgiven, right? We confess we have sinned. Yes, we have been sinned against, but we along the way have sinned too. We acknowledge the forgiveness and then we're asked, now, 
You need to forgive the perpetrators of evil. You need to forgive your mother and your father, the uncle that raped you. You need to forgive the gang rape. You need to forgive the people that hurt you and betrayed you and abandoned you and rejected you. And, and this is the call to forgiveness for, for people that come to faith in Christ. And they're finding out psychologically, mentally, emotionally that, yeah, bad things happened, but I survived it and here I am. And I'm now being forgiven, and I'm going to forgive them, because why would God forgive the whole world for their sins? And so we we get into this reality, and so Christian men and women not playing games with God, not playing church, not going through organized religious garbage. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. For the first time in my life, I've gotten angry. You know, I've never condemned anybody for having wealth. You want to have wealth? Praise God, have wealth. I just never got into the bandwagon of condemn anybody that has wealth. I don't have wealth like what I'm about to talk to you about, where one man, just one man, bought a plane for $56 million, right? $56 million because that one man is so holy, so anointed by God, that it's not right for him to be on a regular airplane and sit in the back on the airplane to go preach in some country. No, he's too holy and too anointed, and he needs his rest on the $56 million airplane. And then there's not only one, there's two and three, and their planes are three and four, and they're not enough, and they need more and bigger. These one man for their personal comfort. Where was the apostle Paul? He was on a ship with prisoners going to Rome in a turmoilous sea. And he wound up saving 276 people on that ship in Acts 27. And I live in a region where there's such abstract poverty right here. And I want to say to that one man, your $56 million for your personal comfort could have been used to build a town and restore it from the abject poverty that is destroying people. I see little kids living in these houses. They don't even have exteriors on them. There's paneling wood. And so I want to say to the man that thinks he's so important to have a $56 million airplane, give your $56 million to Decatur, Arkansas, to Gravit, to Gentry, to Siloam Springs or some other community somewhere. You know what we could do with $56 million? We could rebuild a town. We could create a Gold Coast right in northwest Arkansas. But I understand you could do that, and if people's hearts aren't changed, it won't do any good. I get that. But why not build and help and go to just, I I told my grandson, who wants to build cities. If you want to build a city, you first got to start with a town. And if you're going to build a town, then you first got to start in a community. And if you're going to start in a community, then you first have to start in a neighborhood. And if you start in a neighborhood, you first have to start in one house. And what we need to do is gather together 15, 20 people and have construction people around to move this. And we show up at Mrs. Jones's house, that one house in that one neighborhood, in that one town, in that one city. And we paint her house and we put walls up and windows up. We cut her lawns. We, we take care of one home. 
That's what $56 million would do. And then we do every home in that neighborhood. And then out of that neighborhood, we go to the community. And from the community, the town. For the first time in my life, I got angry. And there's not just one man with a $56 million airplane. There are thousands that have fleeced the flock of God because they're so, their own comfort. I got angry because the other day I drove in the community that we are in. And I went behind the scenes and I saw. And it grieved my heart that there's such poverty. And you see elderly people and then families, but these little children. And I don't know how much time we have left, but I know as long as there's light, what should happen? There should be about 15 young people ranging from 15 to 25. Some carpenters, plumbers, electricians, builders leading the way and restoring one home in one neighborhood and then going through. That's with those 56 million and 90 million and 80 million. There are billions of dollars in the hands of personal people that feel they are so important that they need that money for their jet. And the people sucked in their doctrine and they supplied it. And yet I know there's people listening to this program that could go to any country and preach a better gospel than they ever have. This is a concern that is in my heart. I want to do something about it. I don't know what to do. Quite frankly, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. I just want to start in that one house, in that one neighborhood, in our little town. And I want to find people that want to get on board and say, hey, while we're waiting and preparing for the ark and a all these things. We're going to start helping other people that are in extract poverty. Get some clothes on those little children's back, not the five and dime stuff and the goodwill. No. Like my brother who was told by the Lord to get a pair of shoes for another brother, he went out and he bought him a $150 pair of shoes. Not a cheap pair of shoes because he heard God say, get your brother a pair of shoes. And when God tells you to do something, he did it right for someone else. See, I want to do that. I want to, I, want to get, I want to get into Decatur right now. There was a family of seven children. The oldest was 15. Their house just burned to the ground last week. So I went looking for the house. I wanted to do something. I went looking for the house. And when I started traveling all through the neighborhood, I couldn't believe it. Some of you are still talking about the vaccination I don't know what I'm talking about, I guess. Work while there's light. The nighttime comes. No one will be able to work. And when that nighttime comes, I hope that you've done everything in your power to have lived for the cause of Christ. And that's it for me. I genuinely wish you a wonderful weekend. And if I never see you again. I love you. I love you. Be blessed. Right now, Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there's a roundtable discussion. 
Have a super blessed day. Shalom.